Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. Everybody, my name is Clark Kent, and uh, I'm happy to be here at Canton Church. I'm going to take my glasses off if that's okay, because I also have my contacts on, and I thought that would give me super strength, but it's actually just giving me a headache. Um, Hey, we're so excited that you're here for Super Fun Sunday. Uh, It's going to be super fun. If you haven't already had some fun out in the lobby afterwards, we're going to have a blast, and and we're so thankful that you're here. Um, We just wanted to create a day where we could have fun together and just really enjoy coming together. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing and all that God is doing uh, here at Canton Church. And every single week, we continue to see new people show up and new people making commitments and decisions to find life in Christ. And so this was just a day for us this fall, just to kind of say, hey, we want to focus our attention on that day. And, and the other thing that we're doing is we're kicking off a brand new series today called Heroes, a super fun series And we're going to talk about heroes for the next three weeks, really looking at these superheroes. Um, You know, today I'm I'm Clark Kent. I'm actually going to um, take this jacket off if that's okay. I'm going to keep my Superman shirt on because that would just be weird. But uh, I'm going to, I realize like I'm not Superman. Um, I don't have the hair for it or the physique for it. And I know that. Uh, But I don't say that's true. I heard a couple people say amen right there. You're going to have to talk back later, but don't talk back there. Uh, no, 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 but we're going we're gonna to look at, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the idea of some superheroes, and, and we're going to talk out of Micah chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, you can go there. We're going to jump into that in just a second uh, and just look at some truths that come out of this passage of Scripture, this portion of Scripture that we believe also kind of are encapsulated in some of these superheroes of our culture. Maybe some of us, we grew up with them, or we're gonna, we dressed up like them for Halloween, or we will be dressing up, or our kids will, or... And we're just familiar with some of these, these, this vocabulary that's around these superheroes. But the first thing that I want you to know, because I know like for me, like I don't feel like a superhero. Um, I don't feel like I have any super abilities um, all the time. I don't feel like I can, you know, leap tall buildings in a single bound. And I don't feel like I can fly and all those kinds of things. But the first thing that we want you to know today for every single person in the room is that you can be a hero to someone else, whether you think you're super or not. And we're going to talk about that all three weeks. This idea that you can be a hero to someone else, whether you think you're super or not. Because I think for all of us, we kind of get into the routines of our lives. This is a theme that we've talked about even over the last few months. We get into the routines of our lives. We we do life. We do the things that are expected of us. We do the things that we want to do. And sometimes we just kind of miss the things that could be even grander than that. And so you can be a hero to someone else, whether you feel super or not. And I think beyond that, God is calling all of us to live these grander lives, to live kind of better or bigger than the mundane. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to go great all the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to have these incredible opportunities or adventures every single day of your life. Some days are going to feel boring. Some days are going to feel like you're just down in it and you're paying bills and you're doing life and you're doing stuff. But we are called to live above the mundane and God desires us to continually look for opportunities to be heroes to other people. And you can be a hero to someone else, whether you feel like it or whether you feel super or not. So, you know, I realize that I'm not a superhero. You probably feel like you're not a superhero. But what we want to do is we want to take some truths of these superhero lives and we want to try to help contextualize them for ourselves and the way that we live every single day. And we're going to spend all three weeks, a little portion of our time, all three weeks, in the book of Micah. 
So let me give you a little bit of background. Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was a guy that God was speaking to and speaking through to get a message to his people, the children of Israel. Now, Micah was uh, kind of alive and, and, and prophesying for the children of Israel. At the same time, some other people were doing that, guys by the name of Isaiah and Amos and Hosea. And so there were some people that God was using to try to speak to and to speak through to get a message to his people. And, and for Micah, one of the primary themes of his life and one of the primary messages that he was trying to deliver to the people of, of God, the children of Israel, was that God was justified in judging Israel for their disobedience. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament at all, and if you don't, it's okay, but if you know anything about the Old Testament at all, here's what you can know about the pattern of behavior of the children of Israel. They would uh, turn to God and, and just love God and obey God and do whatever God asked, and then they would get bored with that, or they would get you know, tempted to do something else, and they would turn and they would do their own thing, and they would be disobedient for a while, and eventually God would bring a prophet and say, God's going to judge you, and he would bring judgment of some kind toward them, and then they would turn back to God, and they would love God, and they would obey God, and they would do everything that God asked until they got bored with that, or they got tempted to do something else, and they would turn their back on God. And so what Micah the prophet wanted the people to know is that God was justified in his judgment toward them. And he wanted them to know that God had every right because of their own disobedience to bring whatever judgment toward them that God saw fit. And so in Micah chapter 6, there's a, a passage of scripture here. The entire chapter he lays out this thought but this idea of what, what should I do as the prophet of God who's speaking on behalf of God's people to God, what should I say to God on our behalf? What should I say to God on my behalf? What should I present to God in our disobedience? So in Micah chapter 6, verse 6, where we're going to start, and we'll spend a little bit of time each week in some of Micah 6, but this is what I want us to read today, beginning in verse 6. What or With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In some translations, the beginning of verse 8 says, He has told you, O mortal. Again, just this this idea that we are mortal, we are human beings, we are not superheroes, and, and he's affirming that idea. So none of us are superheroes. And so what you have here is he's asking this question, what does the Lord require of us? What is it that the Lord requires of all of us? As you're doing life, if you're coming to faith, or maybe you've been uh, in a relationship with God for a while, wherever you're at on that continuum, you might say, well, what is it that God requires of me? What is it that God wants from me? And so really in verse 8 of Micah 6, we see this summed up in a really, really succinct way when he says this, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And that's really where we're going to live for the next three weeks. And today we wanted to start with this idea of justice. And I don't know that there's any better superhero to look at for uh, justice than Superman. You know, it was about truth, justice, and the American way. Maybe we don't even know, or maybe when we were kids, we didn't even know what that meant. What was truth? What was justice? What is the American way? 
But maybe now as you've gotten a little older, you understand this idea of truth a little bit. Maybe you think you have an understanding of justice a little bit. And maybe in this present political climate, as people continue to tell us what the American way is or what their version of the American way is that they want us to vote for, they want us to buy into, maybe we have our own ideas about the American way. So Superman encapsulates this idea of justice. But I know in a room like this with this many people, there's at least twice that number of definitions of some of these phrases. And so I thought it would be good for us to start out by understanding what we're talking about when we talk about justice. The Hebrew word here in Micah chapter 6 for the word justice is mishpat. Uh, Mishpat has several different meanings depending on who uh, the, the, the word is used for. It is most often, it's used about 300 times in the Old Testament. It is most often attributed to God. And when it's attributed to God, it is attributed to God's judgment. And so again, remember Micah was talking here to the children of Israel about the fact that God was justified in his judgment toward them because of their disobedience. But here it's talking about man. And anytime the word mishpat was used in regards to man, it wasn't about judgment, it was about justice. And so when you look at this, you have two kind of different ideas. What does it mean when we're talking about God, mishpat? What does it mean when we're talking about man, mishpat? What is the difference in God's judgment? And what is the difference in justice done by man? And so as you look through all the various Old Testament passages, when you come to this idea of justice, we see a varying degree of things. But it's interesting to me, if I can just kind of step on some toes really quickly, that uh, for Christians, and I know not everybody in the room is a Christian, for Christians, a lot of us adopt the idea of mishpat as the way that God uh, uses it in the way that we want to use it. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of us, instead of taking the idea that mishpat as it relates to us is about justice, we take it to mean that it should be about judgment. You know, one of the biggest uh, criticisms of Christians and Christianity in general is how judgmental Christians can be. And I know not everybody in this room, probably nobody in this room, but other people that we know who are Christians. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm just talking about these other random people, all the other people that you know, exist somewhere else, um, that we're judgmental, that we look at other people and we rank ourselves and we go, well, you know, they're worse than me or God help them, they're terrible or, you know, I'm a little worse than that person, but at least I'm not as bad as that person. And we play this really tricky, sinister game of using judgment about other people to try to identify how good or bad we are. Instead of comparing ourselves to a holy and righteous God and understanding that we fall short of any measure of righteousness in comparison to him, we look around us and say, well, at least I'm not that bad. No offense to anybody in that section of the room. At least I'm not that bad, this bad, right? I'll point to all sections and indict everyone. And so we go, I, I, you know, and so instead of saying, well, I, I'm, I fall short of whatever righteousness can be attained through Christ Jesus to stand before God, we go, well, you know, that guy's terrible. And he says he's a Christian. At least I'm not that bad. You know, that girl, I mean, she says she's a Christian. Or I heard she even goes to church. But my Lord, have you heard her reputation? And then we go, okay, well, but that's not what mishpat is for human beings. When we talk about mishpat, In judgment, we're talking about God, the only one who can actually judge because he has the righteousness to stand and judge people. You and I don't have that ability because we're flawed. We're we're not holy. We're not righteous. And so instead of judgment, we're called to justice. So what is justice? Proverbs 21.3 uses the same word, mishpat, when it says this, to do righteousness and justice 
is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, if you remember in Micah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, where we started, he talked about some sacrifice languages. He said, what should I do? Should I offer a, you know, brand new, a bunch of thousands of brand new calves? Should there be just tens of thousands of rivers of oil? He was talking about this idea in sacrifice because they would come to the temple and they would bring to God all these various animals depending on the things that they had done or depending on the festival or the time of year when they were coming to offer sacrifice. They would bring oils and they would bring of their first fruits. He even said, should I offer my firstborn son the fruit of my life to atone for the sins of my soul, which is very poetic language that I absolutely love. But he was saying here, there, there are sacrifices to be done And so in Proverbs 21, when we see justice come up again, we see that to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Instead of trying to bring to God our religiosity, our sacrifices, those things that even the New Testament said could not atone for our sins. Romans tells us that the blood of of, of goats and, and animals could never atone for our sin. It was the system of the Old Testament because Jesus had not yet come to the earth. But once Jesus came and he became the once for all time sacrifice, For our sin, then what we understand is now there is a a sacrifice that atones for our sin, and that is the only thing that can allow us to stand before a holy and righteous God. And it says to do righteousness, to do justice. What does the Lord require of us? To do justice. Very simply, the best definition I can give us today is that justice is to do right. To do what is right. Every single time when you have a choice between right and wrong to do what is right, and that is difficult because often what is right is what is hard. And often what is wrong is what is easy. But we're not commanded to do what is easy instead of what is hard. We're commanded to do what is right instead of wrong. What does the Lord require of us? To do right. What does the Lord require of us? To do justice. What does the Lord require of us? To do justice. Right. Every single time we come to a decision, we come in business, and there's a chance to cut corners, and man, we're trying to figure out, man, that would help us. It would kind of move us down the road a little quicker. I I don't know. You know, it's probably not legal, but I don't know that it's illegal. Do what is right every single time in your marriage, in your relationships, in your home. Do what is right every single time. What does the Lord require of us? To do justice, to do what is right. In your interactions with other people, when you find that they have needs, when you find that there's something that you could do to help them, do what is right every single time. Now, what we understand is that we are not doing right as the sacrifice to try to get into God's good graces. So, I'm not saying, okay, God's over here and I'm over here, and so I do what is right so that I can come to God with all of my rightness, all of my goodness, and say, okay, I've done right, I did good things over here, so now I need you to accept me. No, 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 no. We just come to God in our flawed, sinful, imperfect state, and we show up to God and we say, I'm messed up. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know if what I'm saying is correct. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to present to you. I don't know what to bring to you. I don't know how to do this right. And then he forgives us. He restores us. He heals us. And then we go and do right as a reflection of what he's done to us. So he has done right by us. He has done 
uh, forgiveness towards us. He's given us grace. He's given us mercy. We have now been made righteous because of him and not because of our good deeds. And because of that, we go out and we do right because it is a reflection of him to the world. And so we don't do right to come to God. We do right coming away from God toward the world that is in need of him so that they see him in the things that we do. Now, one of the greatest examples of this in the Bible, it's found in the New Testament, it's found in a couple of the different Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the, the stories of the life and ministry of Jesus on earth. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, the Good Samaritan has kind of even superseded things of faith and things of church. Uh, It's in our culture. It's in the vocabulary and the language of our day. Um, We see hospitals that are named Good Samaritan. We see nonprofits and charities that are named Good Samaritan. Um, We see even stories in secular types of context where Good Samaritan is used. So this is even outside of the biblical uh, realm. But in the Bible, the idea of the Good Samaritan is a story that Jesus is telling when an expert of the law asks him a question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus tells him a story. And here's just, even if you're not familiar with the story, let me sum it up for you this way. There's a man who's traveling down a road, and he's going between two towns. And on that road, there is this place where the road kind of narrows and the mountains come in. And it's a really dangerous. It gets very dark even early in the day because of the shadows that kind of overtake it. And some robbers jump out and they rob him and they beat him and they leave him for dead on the side of the ground in the ditch. And so we, he's just left there. There's, there's nobody that can help him. There's nothing that's you know, going to save him. He's just left for dead. They took all his possessions. He has nothing. He has no way to call for help. Well, as Jesus tells the story, then he tells us about three people that come walking by. The first of those is a priest. And the priest is someone who would have been recognized even in that day and even in our present day, where it was someone that was a part of you know, the, the order of God. He would have been someone who uh, stood before God on behalf of the people. He would have been someone that was recognized as a spiritual authority and a religious type of person. And so he comes walking along, and the hearers of the story, as Jesus is telling it, I'm sure that they assume that the priest is going to do what is right, but the priest is busy. He's walking along his way. He's got a lot of things happening. He's got a lot of things that are going on. And so instead of helping the man in the ditch, he continues to move on his journey. He's busy. He's got a lot of stuff happening. But he keeps going. The second person to come by is a Levite. Now, a Levite in present day may not be somebody that you're as familiar with, but a Levite would have been kind of a religious leader. It would have been one of the tribes, one of the people groups of the nation of Israel that had been set apart by God to serve God and to speak for God and to work in the temple and to do some different things on behalf of God and behalf of his people. And so this would have been in the modern church, this would have been a, a volunteer leader in the church. It would have been someone that prays with people. It would have been someone that serves in the lobby, somebody that serves in a kid's classroom, somebody that takes up the offering. And It would have been just a religious person. So the hearers of this story, when Jesus is telling the story, would have heard that the Levite was walking by and they would have assumed the Levite is the guy that's going to do what's right. You ask the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is telling this story. Somebody's got to be the hero in this story. Surely if it wasn't the priest, it's got to be the Levite. And the Levite starts on his way, but he's busy. He's a religious man. And religion will give you a lot of stuff you're supposed to do. And so he's got a lot of stuff he's doing. He's probably going to a small group, somebody's house. They're going to eat over there, and he doesn't want to be late for that because if he's late, he misses the good food. He's left with the bad food and the people that can't cook that are part of that life group. So he just doesn't want to be a part of being late there. Other churches, other life groups, not here. I've eaten everybody's food there. It's all great. But he's, he keeps going, and he's got, well, i got to get there. i got to serve. i got to show up early. they got like a team huddle I'm supposed to be a part of, and i got to check in. i got to sign in. we got to find out what's going on. I'm, I'm busy, and he ignores the man in the ditch because of his religious journey. 
Then there's a third person that comes by. He's a Samaritan. We don't know anything else about him really other than that. And the Samaritan is on his journey. And the Samaritan responds differently. Now, while the hearers of this story would have assumed that the priest was going to do right or the Levite was going to do right, they would not have assumed that the Samaritan was going to do right. And we'll talk about that in a second. The Samaritan's on his way. He sees the man in the ditch. He stops what he's doing. He comes and he attends to the needs of the Samaritan. He heals his wounds. He tries to cover those. He takes care of him. He puts some ointment on him, puts some oil on some of his wounds. He puts him up on his donkey. He, he feeds him. He takes him to an inn. He pays the innkeeper. They go in. He helps take care of the man for a short time. And he leaves money with the innkeeper. And he says, hey, let him stay here and recover and rest. And if this is not enough to cover the bill, then when I come back through on business, I'll pay you whatever is owed. And he leaves. Now, If you've heard that story in any form, out of the Bible or in culture in general, you're like, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to do what's right, so I'm supposed to help people in ditches. I got it. I tried to think all week how you might receive that story, and I thought about the fact that you might have maybe three questions today. One of three questions. You might not have all of these questions. Some semblance of these three questions you might have after you just heard the story of the Good Samaritan summed up for you. One of those questions might be, what is the significance of a Samaritan, a priest, and a Levite? Like, what's the the significance of that? What's the difference in these groups of people? Why, Why is that important? The second question that you might ask is, what can I learn from this? Like, what is it after I hear that that I'm supposed to learn or apply to my life? What is it that I can learn from this? And the third thing is, what does this have to do with justice? Now, if none of those questions is going through your head, then just go back to Facebook on your phone. It's totally fine. Whatever you need to do. It's fine, but somewhere in the room, I feel like those three questions probably exist for some people in this place. So let me explain to you. I I told you a little bit about the priest and the Levite, and I told you that the people would have listened to that story, and they would have assumed that the priest was going to do what was right, the Levite was going to do what was right, but they did not. The Samaritan was a different kind of person to the people that were listening to Jesus tell this story. Now, maybe you're not familiar with the cultural things that were happening during that time in history, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the darkest place of your mind. I want you to go to the recesses of your mind where you don't want to tell anybody the things that you think. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to write it down. Nobody in the room is going to know. I want you to think about the group of people here on the earth, anywhere that you have the most trouble with. Maybe it's a demographic of people. Maybe it's a people that look a certain way. Maybe it's the people that believe a certain way. They act a certain way. I want you to think about that group of people that you struggle the most with. To the people listening to Jesus in that moment. That's what the Samaritans were. They were ISIS. They were Muslims, or they were uh, people of color, or they were people that acted a certain way. Whatever that group of people in your mind right now is, that's what a Samaritan was to the Jews that were listening to Jesus tell this story. It was those people that surely they couldn't do right. They didn't possess the ability to do right. They could only do evil. They, could only, they were just terrible, rotten, no good people that we didn't get along with, that we fought with. There's, I mean, it, we could never see them being the person that God would use in a story that Jesus is telling, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Be like the Samaritan. No way that's what God would do. And yet, that's what the story is. The second question that you might have been asking is, what, what can I learn from this? Like, okay, there's a Samaritan, there's a priest, there's a Levite. Like, but what is it that I could learn from what I'm hearing here? I think for me, one of the major takeaways from this story is that I got to make sure that I'm not so busy doing life, so busy doing faith, so busy doing the things that I think are right, that I miss what it's actually all about. 
I know I'm, 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 I'm on Facebook and Twitter, and some of you, you're on all these other social networks, and you're doing things, and you're interacting with people, but, and none of those are evil, none of those are bad, I'm on most of them, none of those are bad things. But I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we miss the actual human experience with actual flesh and blood people. We're walking down these roads of our lives, and we're updating and we're seeing and we're taking in information and seeing news and responding to this and posting things and interacting and seeing what's happening all over the world and information is so close and so available to us that we actually walk right by people in need because we're not looking at them. We're looking at something else. When I listen to this story, when I read this story, I think if I'm not careful that I'm actually missing out on a portion of the human experience because I'm so busy in what it means to be a human now. That I miss those people that are in trouble. When I see my fellow man, I see my fellow woman, and they are in need, and I skip right over them. I'm guilty of this. I know I am. I admit it to you today. I am guilty of this. So what can I learn from this? I need to help those who are in need. And I can hear you right now. I can hear what's in your head. I'm telling you, I prayed all week, Lord, help me to know how this is going to, like, I can hear it. You go, okay, wait a minute. Let me just understand. So justice, what the Lord requires of me, to do justice, to do right, means that I'm supposed to help everybody that I interact with who has a need. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying as much as it depends on you, as much as you can, there is no loophole. What does the Lord require of you? Just, you know, be good to people every now and then. Just do, you know, as much as makes you comfortable, as much as is safe for you to accomplish in your downtime when it doesn't affect your, no. To do what is right often means to do what is hard. To do justice means to do what's right, to help people in Need. And, and I know you, you say, well, but I can't help everybody. I mean, I can't meet everybody's need that I interact with. There's, there's a lot of needs in this world. Like, I can't help everybody. But here's what we've done. We've erred to the extreme of saying, well, since I can't help everybody, I won't help anybody. Because that just wouldn't be fair. Like, there's a lot of hurting people. And if the people around me that are hurting knew that I'd help these other people that were hurting, but I didn't help them, then they'd be mad at me. Right? That's what we've done. We've covered up the inaction that we're taking, not doing anything by saying, well, I'm doing that really to protect the feelings of those that are hurting because I can't really help everybody, so I just won't help anybody. And I would say this to you, just because I can't solve everybody's problems doesn't mean I shouldn't try to solve somebody's problems. Just because I can't help everyone doesn't mean I shouldn't help anyone. Pastor Andy Stanley, who's a pastor here in our town, our community, the greater Atlanta area, he says it like this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for it. Start there. Like just find somebody in need and do for that one what you wish you could do for everyone. If you had unlimited resources of money and time, like what could you do for everyone if there was just no limit? Now focus your attention and do that for one. I don't have to wear a cape to do that. All I have to do is stop on the side of the road and help somebody who's hurting. I don't have to know how to fly. I just have to be willing to speak up for those who can't defend themselves. That's what doing justice looks like. And, and a lot of people, especially Christians, and I hit on this earlier, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm harping on this because I think sometimes as Christians, we've, we've missed the point a little bit. 
Because we listen to that story, and if we're not careful, instead of mishpat do justice, we hear mishpat do judgment. We listen to that story, and we go, well, yeah, but like, if the guy would have just paid more attention, he would have known that's a bad part of town, and he never would have got down there. It's his fault. Like, why would I help somebody that doesn't help themselves? Like, it's his fault. It's his lot in life. He made a poor decision. Why would I help him out of his poor decision to go there? I stand in judgment of you. We don't say it like that, but that's what we think. And we go, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. It's not the guy. It's the robbers. Like, the guy was just on his way. He was just traveling down the road, and, like, he didn't mean to do anything. He's just kind of going along. But it's violence in the world. It's the state of our affairs. It's the government. It's the people. Like, it's just, there's evil and there's violence. That's the problem. I stand in judgment of those things. So I can't help everybody that's hurting because there's too many people hurting. And we, we, we see it. We just we go, okay, I'm not going to do justice. I'm going to stand in judgment. That's my responsibility as a follower of Christ. That's my responsibility as a human being, to make sure that everybody knows that I know who's wrong in the story. And yet that's nowhere in the story. That's not what we're called to do. I'm actually supposed to let God judge what is right while I do what is right. I'm supposed to let God judge what is right while I do what is right. That's my job. You know, I told you I'm wearing a Superman shirt today, which I know makes me look exactly like Superman. I'm just like a low-level superhero. I get it. In the movie Superman Returns, Superman has gone away for a couple years, and he's come back. And when he went away, some people, you know, they they started to kind of sour on the idea of Superman. Lois Lane, who was close to Superman, she was kind of close to the story. Obviously, she's still close to Clark Kent. She wrote this article, Why No One Needs Superman, kind of projecting her own bitterness and hurt that he had left. She actually didn't get an award for that article, and nobody needs Superman. And Superman shows back up and has a conversation with Lois Lane. A little bit about why he left, but really about helping her understand what he was facing, what was going on. I want you to watch this clip really quickly before we come back and close our time together today. Well, you're back, and everyone seems to be pretty happy about it. But everyone, I read the article, Lois. Yeah, so did a lot of people. Why not to give me the cue? Why did you write it? I moved on. So did the rest of us. That's why I wrote it. The world doesn't need a savior. And neither do I. Lois. something I want to show you. Not like this. 
I hear everything. You wrote that the world doesn't need a savior. But every day I hear people crying for one. He said you wrote that the world doesn't need a savior. But every day I hear people crying for one. Today, as we conclude our time together on this super fun Sunday, for some of us in the room, the most fun thing you could do is to say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. You say, well, that doesn't sound fun. Sounds like I got to admit something. Well, the Bible tells us that when even one person comes to find life in Christ, that heaven throws a humongous party for that person. And today, that could be you. Bigger than any party we could ever throw here would be the, the party in heaven where it's, you're the subject. You say, hey, I, I'm, I'm imperfect. I've made mistakes. I am a sinner. I'm asking God to forgive me of my sins and lead in God and direct my life. And so if that's you today, if you're calling out, I need a savior, God hears you and he responds to you in that way. If today you would say, well, it's not about salvation for me. It's not me needing a Savior. I would say then maybe for us, if you are a follower of Christ, or maybe even if you're not, but you just don't feel like you're ready to take that step, maybe we would say, okay, God, would you open our ears and open our eyes to see and to hear the people around us that are crying out for a Savior? They're they're in need. They they have a need. They are hurting. They're, They're laying in the ditch as we walk by, and they're calling out, can somebody help me? There's something going on in their life and they need somebody just to respond to them. And so today, maybe your prayer is, God, would you just help me to see them the way that you see them? Would you help me to hear them as you hear them so that my heart would break, so that I can do good, so that I can do justice, not to come to you doing right, to present that to you, but to reflect your goodness toward them so that as they search for a savior, they would find you because they know me. Because I am doing justice everywhere that I go. Every person that I meet, to the best of my ability, I am helping meet the need that I can on the lowest level possible. Just finding that need that they have and trying to meet that need as much as I humanly can. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to cop out and say, well, I can't help everybody, so I'm not going to help anyone. I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm going to do for at least one what I wish I could do for everyone. Because I want to do justice It's better than our religiosity. It's better than our faith. It's better than our doing church. It's being the church. It's being God to people with skin on and saying, hey, I just just want to do what's right. I just want to do what's good. I just want to do justice toward you as a reflection of what God has done toward me. And so today, if you would, I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody in the room, nobody's looking around. Everybody's got their head bowed and their eyes closed. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, I I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to pray today and ask God to save me and to lead in God and direct my life. With nobody looking around, would you just lift your hand right where it's at and put it right back down? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, it's not a salvation thing for me. It's not about asking Jesus to live in my heart. It's none of that stuff. I just want God to help me to see people the way that he sees them. I want to do what is right. I want to do justice every chance I get so that I can help people find the Savior that they're looking for because of the way that I serve them. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. So many hands in the room. 
God, we thank you today for every hand that was lifted for whatever reason they lifted their hand. I thank you even for those that didn't feel comfortable lifting their hand. There wasn't, they didn't want to do that physical sign in this room because of their uncomfort with that idea, but that's okay. God, we believe it's the heart that you see and respond to. And so right now I pray for every person that lifted their hand or acknowledged to you that they needed you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I thank you, God, for the people that will do that all day. And we know that you're throwing a huge party. We know that immediately, as soon as they acknowledge that, you respond to them and forgive their sins and you become their Savior. And we thank you for that today, God. God, I also thank you for every hand that was lifted and every heart that responded to say, I want to see people the way that you see them. I want to hear people the way that you hear them. And God, I want to do justice. I want to do what is right. I want to care for people and meet people at their point of need because I believe that that honors you and I believe that that is doing good as a reflection of what you've done towards me. So God, help us to do that today. We thank you, God, for all that you can accomplish in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.